Exactly. Because the things here are temporary. Right? They're not going to last. They're going to be destroyed. Things on earth are temporary. Yeah, there, there are only three things that are going to, like, live on beyond this earth, beyond life on this earth. Anybody know what those might be? What's going to last forever? God. Yeah, there you go. That's the first one. Yeah, there are two more. Yeah, people, right? Souls, whether they believe in him or not, you know, live on forever. Yeah? Ideas. I don't know about ideas. That's interesting. The third one I'm thinking of is his word. Like, God's word is going to last forever. I have to think about that idea. But yeah, so God is people, right? People will live forever. And his word. So those, everything else, pretty much, like... I mean, maybe it'll live on beyond our lifetime for, like, a few hundred years or whatever, but everything else on this earth, like, ultimately is temporary. And I think it's so cool that, like, Jesus chooses that region to argue for what he says in verses 19 and 21. Like, there are some other reasons, I'm sure, that Jesus could have articulated for, like, why we should invest in eternal things. But this really demonstrates that Jesus cares about us. He wants us to live lives that are meaningful and fulfilled and that will prepare us for a joyous eternity within. So he really has our best interests in mind when he's instructing us to store up our treasures in heaven, invest in eternal things. Um, Okay, one of the other commands in this passage that someone said was, do not worry, right? We see that in a few places. We see it in verse 25. Do not worry about your life. We see it in verse 31. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? You know, same idea. Um, And then we see it again in verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow. So what, what are the reasons you see in the passage for why we shouldn't worry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's, yeah, worry's like not productive. I see that in verse 34. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Like, basically, this is saying it's not productive for you to worry, right? And this just builds off of what I was saying a minute ago about, like, God's heart really is for us to have a meaningful and fulfilled life. He doesn't want us stressed out about things that aren't going to be productive for us anyway. What else? What are the other reasons why we shouldn't worry? He will provide for us far more abundantly than we can ever tell ourselves. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I wrote down God has a proven track record as provider. He has a proven track record as provider. And we see that in verses 26 through 30, where he's talking about, like, the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Like, we've we've seen in nature, in God's creation, he's a provider. We've also seen that in our own lives. I'm sure, you know, we could talk for a long time about ways that God has come through for us in the past. Yeah. Okay, so the first reason, well, at least what I wrote down, worry's not productive. The second reason... God has a proven track record as provider. 
what are what are a couple other reasons you guys are seeing? Yeah, I like what, what it says in verse 32. Like, the pagans run after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. Like, people who don't have faith and hope in Jesus are worrying about these things. But we know that God knows what we need. So we have, a, we have an opportunity to, to not worry and to trust. Yeah. Um, okay, the last reason that I saw, maybe there are others in here, but verse 25, God's kingdom is so much more important than all the things we worry about, <laughs> we tend to worry about. And I'm totally guilty of this too, but yeah. First, the second part of verse 25 says, is life not more than food and the body more than clothes, right? Like life, eternity, the things of God, so much more important than food or clothes, like the temporal, temporary things that, that God will provide for us anyway. Um, okay, I hope that little scripture analysis was helpful. I love this passage. <laughs> and, well, I don't know. It's clear now, right, like from reading that, that we should invest in eternal things and we should not worry. It's a lot easier said than done, right? <laughs> so we're going to spend the next or the rest of our time kind of getting a little bit more practical about how we can apply these principles, like investing in eternal things, storing up our treasures in heaven, and seeking his kingdom first, how can we do that as we are approaching our career prep? So Sam's going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mentioned before, last August, felt like God was leading me to leave my job, and I left it without having something. So I was in a waiting season. It was definitely hard in some, at some times to trust in him and know he was going to provide because um, I felt really confident that he was leading me to leave, but then at different points you're questioning, but are you, can I trust you to actually come through for me and provide? Like, he led me there. He was not going to risk me off. Um, so in the middle of that time, I came across a passage in Numbers 9, and it just brought me so much encouragement. Um, and the context here is in Numbers so the Israelites are God's people, and Moses was leading God's people at the time with the direction of God. He had brought them out of Egypt, and they are in a waiting season. So you can see they're related to me. They are out of Egypt, out of captivity, but they're not yet in the promised land. And so they're waiting and expecting that. They, God has assured them that there will be that, but they're kind of wandering through the desert. Um, and they had, God had instructed them to build a tabernacle, which was sort of like a portable, able to travel place of worship for them, like where they could meet with God. Um, and so that was the tabernacle. And at that time, this passage in Numbers talks about how God's presence was like a cloud over the, over the tabernacle. So a cloud by day, but then it was like the appearance of fire by night. 
Um, so I want to read this verse in Numbers 9.22. It says, Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. So the, the cloud was directing them. When the cloud, God's presence, was over the tabernacle, they knew that they should remain there. And when it set out, they got their things, like literally packed it all up, carried the tabernacle, and they left, and they followed God. Um, so your first point is that God provides and leads your career moves. Um, for me, when I read that and I was in the middle of my meeting, I had realized I started to carry a burden that this responsibility for knowing when I was going to leave the waiting season and find a job, I felt that on me. Um, I was carrying that weight and pressure. Um, and in looking at this, I realized that the weight of knowing when and what and where I would find a job was completely off of me. That is not our responsibility. Um, as we look at this verse, I'm looking at what was God's job here. It was two things. He set the conditions of their depart for where and for how long. And you know what's crazy is like the people could set up and it says whether it was two days. They could set up, they could put down roots, and God could say two days later, no, nope, get up, we're leaving, we're moving on from here. Or it could be a month, or it could be a longer time. Many of you could relate in that as you're waiting you may be waiting for an internship, waiting to hear back, or looking for that job, looking for the first gig that you get. And you're wondering, is it going to come through soon, or is it going to be a longer time? But they were just charged to remain there. So God sets the conditions of our depart, where and for how long. And he also abides. He, like it says that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there. So he made himself close to his people. He was not far from them in the waiting season. He didn't leave them there and leave them. God remained with them, and he had something for them in that waiting season. And what was the Israelites' job? To remain. They just had to be there. They had to look at what it meant to be faithful in that season. They, meant, they were meant to abide with Christ, with God there, um, and just follow his lead. So that's really all they had to do. What does faithfulness for them mean right there and then? And just abide in Jesus. So if you're wondering this, as maybe I felt, the burden of landing that job or internship or whatever career that you desire, that burden is not on you. God has a plan. And even though you're like wishing that he would make it clear what it is or what it will look like five years from now, even for the Israelites, they didn't know where they would be two days from then. Uh, so you can really trust God with your future. He is directing it. He knows that. He is the provider, and he will lead those moves. So when it is the right time for you to, say, leave a job or take a new opportunity or move on in your life, as long as you are remaining and abiding, the weight is off of you. I promise he will lead. Um, and it was cool after I, this quick little snippet, um, as I was reading that, and I just came over with so much peace and was like, God, if it takes two years to find a job, I will trust you. Like, you are so faithful. The next week, I got a call about a job I, I had applied to, and like, then I landed the job two weeks later. 
like, well, I wasn't expecting it to be that quick. You really could have taken longer. And it doesn't have to happen that like that, but just know that God is faithful. And so I, the last thing is know your role and find rest in knowing that God has the rest. Know your role, remain close to him, and he has the rest. He is worthy of your trust. So we're going to move to our second point. So I said know your role and trust God with the rest. The first part of our second point is it's good to prepare for your career. It's good to prepare for your career. You might feel like, you know, I'm saying, okay, you can trust in God with your career. So I don't have to do anything. This is awesome. Like, I'll just get a call. God's going to orchestrate it, and he's going to say, we have this job for you, we haven't even seen your resume, and we know you're perfect for it. Here you go. And it's like, no. Like, God wants our participation here. He wants us to lean, in him, lean into him, do well in school, and, you know, apply to different positions or whatever that looks like for you. It's good to prepare for your career. That's honoring him with the opportunity that you have to study here at USC. So this is a, that's the first part. Um, and just to get a little practical, I have some advice with that, but this could be a lot of things. Um, the first that I found to be really helpful is look to find people who will become your career mentors. It's good to have mentors in every area. Um, look for career mentors. Could be your academic advisor. I have an awesome one. He was that for me. Your professors, a connection you made at a networking event, maybe some older classmates that have just been doing well. Um, just people that you look up to in their career. And then, this is a really helpful next step, make sure you ask them what sorts of skills and experiences or networking opportunities were most helpful for them in college or set them up for a successful career. Um, I feel like preparing for your career can be this massive mountain that is so vague, so you know unclear to navigate, so definitely lean into people who have had that experience, have that track record, and they can sort of dwindle that down and make that a little bit more clear. Um, and then from that, from getting some advice from mentors, make a plan, make a plan for your career prep based on their advice. Um, I think that's really helpful rather than just going at it. And you know, we were talking about before. There's this fear that. You're never doing enough. You always have to be doing something. And looking at my classmates here and this one there, they're doing all these different things that I'm not doing. But if you're assessing and really taking to God what would be helpful and wise, um, but not overbearing as a way to plan for your career, and you follow through on that, then you've done a really great job. So it kind of helps to make a plan to have those guardrails and free yourself from feeling that you're never doing enough. Um, two tips on that, choose quality over quantity of experience. Um, I think that's just so helpful, especially at USC. Mm -hmm. I've seen with employers, like they so much more care to hear about one significant experience that I had um, and how that really like grew me or gave me a technical skill than seeing 10 different things or several different things. But if you have one thing, that you really care about, and you're excited about this opportunity or experience, and you learned a lot, that's going to mean so much than a ton of different things. And then also remember your resume really only matters for your first job. 
we haven't been outside of our career for long and I just moved, I was at a job for like over a year and I moved to my first new job. My like college resume and things that were, you know, pertinent, per per I don't know what I'm trying to say. Things were that <laughs> important to land my first job were almost irrelevant. Not fully, but I would imagine by the time I move to my next job, it will be completely irrelevant. Um, and for Jenna, like being at a job for four and a half years at this point, if she were moving on, it won't even matter. Like that resume um, for your next job. So hopefully that brings relief that it will only matter once and don't give all your time to this. The second part of this point number two is be wary of the subtle pressures that may guide you. At USC, we both experienced this, and I'm sure you all have. There are so many subtle pressures of all the things you have to do to have a successful career. I remember hearing that too. It's talked about uh, as a freshman, you got to have an internship and like all these things. And SAT prep started in middle school, and it's just crazy what they say now. Who is making up these rules? They're just subtle pressures, and they don't really have much value. You have to take them and like bring them under the light and see what is actually valuable for you and your experience. Don't look to the left or to the right and compare yourself to your classmates or friends. They're gonna be just so many subtle pressures and you don't wanna be controlled by them. You know, Julie's been talking about the love of Christ controlling us. We wanna be guided by God in our life rather than the expectations of our peers or our family. So as a USC student, you have a unique situation of being guided by a lot of pressures. People are very high achieving. So I want to urge you to bring those pressures and expectations before God and ask him to guide your preparation so you don't make the decision based on fear or others' expectations. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, But test everything, hold fast what is good. Really examine the pressures you feel and the anxiety you feel in this area and ask God to just bring clarity. Might be helpful to ask yourself some questions if you're wondering, should I, should I join this club or take up this involvement or you know, have a different experience here or not? Maybe ask yourself, does this help me grow in the skills and experience needed for my career that another class or extracurricular doesn't already achieve? So is it uniquely valuable? Or does something else already achieve the same thing? How valuable is the skill and experience compared to the time investment of this commitment? If you're a business major, this is your return on investment. There are going to be some things that require a huge investment, but if you're honest, the return is really small. Be wary of that. Like, choose something better. Um, but if the investment is something that you can handle and the return is good, that's great. Um, another really important question, does it conflict with my priorities? Make sure you know what those are. God, church, challenge, community, your classes that you have to do well in. What are those priorities in your life? And make sure that, they're, that this other commitment isn't going to get in the way of that. We can both share so many stories. God did not rip us off when we put him first in college and in the rest of your life. So start a track record now of putting him first. He will not rip you off. Um, and then ask yourself, why do I want to do this? Really? Are you just, is everyone else doing it and you think you should too? Why do you want to do it? Just be honest with yourself. 
you answer those questions and see that the opportunity is uniquely valuable and, and doesn't conflict with your priorities, I say go for it. So that sums up this last point. Good to prepare for your career, but be wary of the subtle pressures that may guide you. Thank you, Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about point number three on your handout, which is the person you are is more important than the things on your resume. The person you are is more important than the things on your resume. Um, I, I said this a few minutes ago, but like there are only three things that are going to last forever. God, God's word, and people. And like the Matthew 6 passage was talking about, like we want to invest in those things, in those things that are going to last forever, those things that are eternal. So I want to leave you guys with an accurate perspective. Like your career is important. It's, it is. You're probably going to spend a lot of hours on your career over a long period of time. I know just in the few years that I've been out of school, it is. It's a big part of my life, and it's important. Um, but in the end, a lot of what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis at work, like if I really think about it, it falls in the temporary category. Like these are things that are not eternal, you know? Um, so so have, have that perspective of like, really wanting to, to steward the responsibility you've been given well of like this amazing high quality education at USC like that is a gift from God and you want to steward that responsibility well you want to make sure that you're you know using your bachelor's degree in, a, in the way that God wants you to and that's different for everybody but so those things are good but in the end have the perspective of like what is really eternal and what is really temporary to kind of check yourself on that um, another verse for you all, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I love it. I'm going to read it one more time. 2 Corinthians 4.18 So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So my recommendation to all of you in light of this verse and all the things that Sam was sharing and the passage we read in Matthew 6, focus first on becoming a woman of God who is living a life that glorifies God. Like, that's really the most important thing that you can do with your life, you guys. Like, focus on becoming a woman, a woman of God and living a life that glorifies God. Um, so... How might you do that while also, like we talked about, stewarding the gifts and responsibilities you've been given with your education, your degree, your career? Um, Two thoughts I have for you guys. Think about your time. Sam talked about this. Like, what are you spending your time on? What are you not spending your time on? Um, Are you reading the word? Are you spending time enjoying and soaking up the scriptures into your heart? Are you spending time, like, observing and apprenticing other older women of God who have been walking with him longer so you can really learn from them. Um, so think about where your time is going. That's a good way to kind of evaluate, like, is my perspective and my focus correct? Where's my time going? That's a good way to evaluate. Um, one other way you can evaluate is think about your trust. Like, where are you putting your trust? What are you putting your trust in? Is it in yourself? to, like, accomplish the career goals that you have? Like, are you putting all that pressure on yourself? That's my tendency, for sure. (laughs) 
And Sam was talking about that too with like her, you know, short gap between um, her two jobs. Like she's putting all this pressure on herself to find the next thing. Um, so is, is that where you're at? Um, are you putting all your trust in your grade or in your GPA or something else? So try to, try to think about that. Like are you trusting God with the big things and being faithful in the small things or are you trusting in something else to come through on the big things? Um, one more verse that I love that I think speaks to that point is Psalm 118.8. It says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. So, that's what I'll leave you with. Um, let's take a few questions now. If you guys have questions, we'd love to kind of dialogue with you all. And then we have a short activity that we'll kind of wrap up with. So, anybody have questions? How did you know which path you wanted to take? You mean with, like, like a career? I got a lot of clarity from uh, talking to people and like with my degree and background and hearing what they're doing. You might find that with your major, you're like, think of it as one way and everyone does this one thing. But then I met a lot of people and was like, oh, there are so many different avenues. Um, and even in doing that, I thought I really love this thing and I would end up doing that. Um, but I didn't get that opportunity, and I ended up getting a different opportunity in engineering consulting. So God kind of just navigated, too. Um, and then, like, my first job also just gave a lot of clarity on who I was professionally and the sorts of opportunities I liked, and then that guided my next move. It's just kind of been a journey of, like, walking with God, and He just opened doors and closed others. Um... Yeah. Did you ever think you were arrogant for wanting a certain job? I don't think so. Did you ever feel that? Because like when I talk to other people, sometimes they say that like that's a very difficult job to get, uh-huh. or they say um, it's not often, you know. Like you're dreaming too big. Yeah. <laughs> not realistic. Personally, I don't think I dealt with that, but yeah, I could see how a lot of people would or do, depending on their careers and industries. Yeah, but it's not a bad thing to dream big. Yeah.
It was a long journey. It had started last spring that I think God was just starting to give me a sense. Um, it had sort of started out of uh, thinking about where Romano and I were living, and um, we had just been feeling like on our heart that we wanted to move and relocate to basically here, to the east side of L.A., um, but then a big struggle would be my job was in person every day over in El Segundo by the airport. And it was like, well, you know, if God is really calling me to stay here, I don't know that, you know, he'd also be leaving us there. So they're kind of like conflicting things. So I have to, in making decisions, sort of give myself a timeline. So I gave myself a month to pray over this decision um, and just like, Soak myself in prayer, really ask for God to orchestrate conversations with coworkers and different things like that. And by the end of it, I felt pretty confident that I was supposed to move on um, sort of a series of events and that we were being called to like move physically too. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of how I came to it. And we moved over the summer and then I took the summer to try to look with my job, but ended up deciding to leave in August, even though I didn't have anything, just because I was confident that God was leading me to do that. It was probably one of the scariest decisions I made. (laughs) As a responsible person, I was like, this is strange for me to leave. Like, wouldn't always recommend, you know, just leaving a job without something, but, you know, God leads. So during like the, because I know you said you didn't have like a really long waiting period for you on your job, but how did abiding in God look in that waiting period and also like continuing the job search? Yeah, I had to really, like I, I was mentioning earlier about like making a plan for your career journey, um, like kind of figuring out what is that going to look like, what, defining what is faith, like faithfulness going to look like. Um, not going on one end or the other. So kind of talking to God about that and getting insight into what would be like a faithful, reasonable way to go about looking for a job. So following through on that, um, and then, of course, all the while, like being in Scripture and rooted in Scripture, and that's where I was, you know, just in my quiet time, like reading Numbers 9, and feel like God gripped me with that. So abiding and just taking him throughout that process. Um, and just being faithful of like, I'm going to just apply, I'm not going to apply to a thousand jobs, I'm going to apply to what's reasonable and like to jobs that I'm interested in and, you know, not just overdo it and just trust eventually he's going to provide something. bounce off like things at work and just get like an outsider's perspective I would also say he's an encouragement um and very like supportive of you know what would be a great opportunity and with the decision of like when you're married you're figuring out where you're gonna live like he was like if God is leading us to stay and like this job is you know where he wants you like we're gonna do that and that was a joint decision in our marriage so it wasn't like 
you know, and we were seeking God together. Yeah, the, like, location of your jobs can get tricky. Yeah. Like, you know, you guys experience that, right? It's like, yeah. you're both moving to Alhambra. You can what do I do about my job? Yeah. I work in downtown LA, which is, I'm grateful for, because it's pretty, like, central. <laughs> um, so right now we live near Culver City. Ian works in Culver City, but, like, I can commute to downtown, and it's pretty convenient. Pretty close to USC, too. You guys every day of the week. It's pretty convenient. And then we're, yeah, we're actually in the process of also moving to Monterey Park out here. So Ian's commute is going to get long. He's going to be like in a similar position that Sam was in. So we'll have to see what happens with that if he ends up looking for something else with a shorter commute. So yeah, hard to figure out, right? Like joining your life to someone else's life. So there's like some logistic challenges with that sometimes, yeah. but yeah. I, yeah. My husband is super, super supportive of my career, so. Um, I guess the idea that, like, you're talking about how you spend so much time in your career, but a lot of it is on, like, temporary things. Like, even in school, like, you spend so much time on homework and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I guess, like, how do you find, like, motivation and, I guess, godly purpose in, in like, some valuable time? Yeah. Um, you should read... Tim Keller's book, um, I'm blanking on the title, Every Good Endeavor, um, which answers that question in a lot of pages that are really fabulous. <laughs> um, so I'd recommend that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God created work, like the short, if I could summarize Tim Keller's brilliance in like a sentence or two. Like God created us to work. And we are designed to do that. So when we are working, like, that is us fulfilling our purpose and what God created us to do. So there are so many blessings that come with just work itself, even if the results of that work are, like, technically for things that aren't going to last forever. The other perspective that I have on that is, like, at work, I'm, I'm like, building relationships with my coworkers and investing in that, too. Like, not all day long, because I have work to do, like, at my computer, where I can't be talking to people <laughs> a lot of the day. But there, there are a lot of ways to, like, really be a blessing to the people around you and share Jesus with the people around you in your workplace. So, yeah. That was great. Um, okay, we have only less than ten minutes left, so let's move on to the little activity so if you flip your page over, since this is a workshop about resumes, we thought we should probably draft resumes together. <laughs> all um, like, no, I'm leaving. You guys are like, oh, not what I wanted. <laughs> Too bad, this is what we're doing. It's going to be fun, I think. So here we go. Your, so your resume, right, is like a summary of your experiences and achievements. Usually it's prepared for the purpose of like demonstrating your qualifications to a future employer, right? So along the lines of the things we've been discussing over the last hour, like investing in eternal things and seeking first his kingdom, we want you guys to work on this little exercise. So the position you're applying for is the woman of God. <laughs> That's the position. And the person reviewing your resume is God himself. So now, I'm going to, like, qualify this. 
I was a little worried about this because, like, you, you guys have nothing to prove to God, right? <laughs> so this, this exercise is a little bit flawed, but, like, if you have accepted God's free gift to you and decided to make him your Savior and your Lord, like, you have nothing else to prove to God. You, have, you already have the title of woman of God. Um, but there are a lot of times in life when, like, the title comes first, and then you have to, like, grow into that role over time. And that's what it's like walking with God, right? Like, as soon as you're saved, you are saved. Like, you are reconciled with God. And that is such a joyful and amazing thing. But then you get to spend the rest of your life, like, growing into that and growing into your walk with God. For example, when we got married, right? Like, we are married. On that day, we signed the paper. They but said, did we have experience being married? <laughs> I was a pretty terrible wife, right? Like, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Same thing with, like, becoming a mom, maybe. You know, like, you're a mom. As soon as that baby comes out, like, you're a mom. But maybe you're not good at it yet. Like, it yeah. takes some time. So, anyway, that's sort of the idea here. We want you guys to, like, draft a resume of the things that you think God would want to see on your resume at the end of your life for this position of woman of God. So take like a couple minutes, maybe like three or four minutes, to just write down some ideas. Like what are the, what is the short summary you want to put at the top? Put your name at the very top, and then a couple sentences in the summary. What are some experiences that God might want to see there? Some education, some skills. Take a few minutes, and then we'll kind of share out as a group. <laughs>